Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And we are ready to roll. Good to have you with us. Middle of the week. Seemingly not a ton going on, but we got a lot to throw at you today. Recap of the basketball game last night. A look ahead to Georgetown. Bowl information. We'll tell you how you can get to the bowl game. What you might enjoy at the uh, Dome on Saturday. All that ahead. Daniel Baldwin making our show today, which is uh, really exciting. Paulie's got his Diet Coke back in the vending machine. Haven't got the credit card back on the Diet Coke machine yet. I'll say this. We'll take one step at a time. I'm not privy. I thought this was a Daniel Baldwin show only thing. Your sign back here. X number of days since the last screw-up on the station. And Seth informs me that it's in totality. Yeah, for board ops, okay. while board hopping. All right, because it's now number, it's one day. They've made one day. I mean, we ought to be taking the team picture in front of it right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's not going to get be- better than one. It could. I mean, maybe, well, maybe this two ta- or three. This time of year, it, it slows down because there's not a lot of, stuff going on all the all the games are run automated for bowl games and everything so well let me ask you this what the, is gonna what's considered a screw up that would reset that if number? i get a silence alarm okay if uh they don't pot down the play-by-play guy when he throws the break on time yeah it, the typical mistakes okay just for board ops yeah no because if they were mine i'd have it reset every day too i was gonna say if, if that was if it was Attributable to everything that uh, happened in this studio, we would like yesterday. The one of the things Seth recorded was not good audio quality, and so correct that set the yeah, day that's, back. that's back to zero. Yeah, that set us all back right. To so zero. if that stuff counts, it's not getting to five. It's and there's not a chance it gets to double figures. So, and I'm not going to include myself in my screw ups because that works against those guys. If I screw up running your board... Well, that's inevitable. Yeah, so it's... You don't count? You have your I own don't count. Tally? No, because this oh. is aimed at them. That, I mean, because I'll buy pizza for everybody if, if it gets to 10. If it gets to 7, they get to return to being on the air. Oh, I'm, right. So, I mean, what, that's your knuckleheads from the morning and stuff? Yeah, all of them, so... That ain't happening. And why 7? I mean, you were talking about 7 a week. full days. A I mean, full week I was going to say, because no a lot of times they aren't really in... Um, all right. If it gets to if it gets to ten, I'll throw a pizza party for everybody here. All right. <laughs> it's not, you're, if it, if it gets easiest to, money you've ever saved in your life. <laughs> That's like, like the most idle offer of all time. And it includes other stations. Oh, forget about it. I mean, it's just if it isn't even remotely a possibility. All it's right. A, the past two games, I haven't gotten a call during our broadcasts. At the Dome, either, which is a first. So okay. That's a good sign. Very good. Uh, speaking of the Dome, I did want to start today's show on a, a bit of a serious tone and uh, would love to have a, a shout-out and a thank you on the part of everybody involved in the community for the work done last night before the game even started at the Dome. We were all set to go on the air. I had my back turned 
to this section where there was an incident last night where just, literally the game's about to start. The team is on the floor, both teams. The officials are out there, and Bill Covington, who would have thrown the ball up in the air to get the game started as the referee, turns to me. I was doing TV last night, and he mouths like, we're not starting this game. And what, what are you talking about? So now I turn around, and it there's a disturbance in the stands. You don't know initially what it is because it looks like the same type of thing that could happen if somebody – had been overserved or there was a fight or whatever and it turns out to be a medical issue. But there was a gentleman there, serious medical issue last night, attended to quickly professionally by talented people who calmly did what they are trained to do and those people are in and around the dome all the time. You don't notice them 98 times out of 100, but uh that's how it's supposed to work. And they came to this gentleman's aid. So what? It held up the game for 10 minutes, but uh, and I don't have an update for people that are wondering, but uh, it was a uh, pretty dire situation there that was dealt with in a first-class manner by all involved. The uh, athletics department then put out a, a statement thanking you know, certainly the Dome staff, but the EMTs on site, Syracuse Police and Fire, the ambulance, uh, hospitals uh, right there nearby. Uh, reminiscent people will remember years ago there was a football official that had a heart attack on the field and was saved uh, by then uh, trainer Tim Neal and you know on the football field there's an ambulance 30 yards away and there's a hospital you know three blocks away and 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 off you go so um, sounds like everything uh, turned out okay as far as we know from last night what did you see from your side of the floor there Polly? Uh, nobody came to us, so we saw him tell you that it wasn't starting, and Brian kind of got into film mode, and we had a backup uh, producer back at Winston right. who jumped in and covered us while we were there. And, things they don't uh, teach you in broadcasting school, that yeah. those types of things uh, might come up, not that it really matters. Uh, yeah, and all we, all it, we could see from across the court was the people circled around blocking, so right. you, you couldn't see. right. Yeah, so uh, they seem to do their – I think they – it might have been right in the area where those seats are temporary anyway. It's like the cafeteria-style chairs, so they just started clearing it out and getting people out of there. They got a stretcher in there, and uh, it was a very efficient uh, operation of of how that's supposed to go. So uh, credit to uh, Pete Sal and his staff at the Dome and all of those people that are following all the protocols. And, you know, I think from a fan perspective or media even, we all can look sideways at – this or that policy or protocol in terms of going into the game and you can uh, think those are inconveniences or whatever. The reason that those things are in place are for extreme circumstances like this and uh, everything uh, worked as it should have uh, last night and and uh, it sounds as though a life was saved. So uh, that's really impressive stuff and, and uh, thanks to all the people that, that did that and I hope when you go to the Dome uh, Saturday and should be a huge crowd for the uh, Syracuse Georgetown game. Uh, maybe take a minute and and uh, thank the ushers and give a wink to the EMT people and a thumbs up and, and a pat on the back because uh, they're the people that are working there to uh, keep a facility like that uh, safe and operational for everybody concerned. So let's uh, take a little bit of an early break. We'll get out of the way with that. We'll come back with uh, how uh, Daniel Baldwin made Polly like a stopped clock. He's already been right at least twice today. Good stuff. Boom. That's hard to do. I, uh, I was. <laughs> Hard to make Polly look good, but uh, that was accomplished this morning on the Daniel Baldwin Show. It's a jumping-off point for our program. We'll do it next on ESPN Radio. 
This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance, in your corner. Good to have CH Insurance along for the ride on a Wednesday. You can join us by phone at 315-437-7644 if you'd like to uh, chime in on the show. Brett Wallace from the Syracuse Athletics Department on uh, ball packages and the uh, band concert series that will be taking place at some of the uh, men's basketball games this year, including the Georgetown game Saturday. That's uh, coming up for you here in just a bit. But I wanted to tell you my amazement and how Daniel Baldwin today impacted our show. We can use his program and some of the leftovers to get going here. But boy, Paul, he made you look like a genius this morning. Thank you. I uh, felt it when I walked out of the room. It, it was impressive. My chest was puffed out. Love Daniel Baldwin. Love his takes. Love his vantage point. Love his energy, his interest in doing this. He gives it a good, solid effort every day. First of all, let's just set the Pat Corbin thing aside. That was the easy one. God bless Pat Corbin. Congratulations to the CNS product. $140 million, his contract with the Washington Nationals. Hey, Daniel, he gets every penny of that. It's Major League Baseball. It's guaranteed contracts. NFL not guaranteed. Major League Baseball guaranteed. Polly was right about that. And here's where Daniel. <laughs> there you Thank go. Thank you. That might be the first time that's ever been the case. <laughs> um, where Daniel was on the right track is yes, if Pat Corbin, God forbid, gets injured, there's insurance. Like the Nationals aren't necessarily then going to be on the hook for paying the 140. But no, that's guaranteed. There's a lot of players, right? Uh, Carl Pavano has probably owns an island somewhere, okay? But never really. <laughs> it's after getting a big contract. There's a number of players uh, for whom that is the case, and uh, that's why insurance exists for the players. So, God bless Pat Corbin. Think of all the... I was thinking yesterday the, the Dunkin' Donuts you could put after that. That's uh, six zeros after 140 mil- million. Yeah, yeah. That, that's going to go a long way. The last show also was not shown. Like, how, how could you even have the discussion that there's anybody that made close to that out of Syracuse? Uh, no. And God bless all those people that have. I, I'd say, you know how hard it is to be a major league athlete for a day? A day. Yeah. Let alone a year or two, let alone a Pro Bowl, an All Star game, a second contract. Um, so God bless Steve Grilly, Eric Cole, Alex Tuck. You know, if you want to throw in there John Bones Jones, any of those guys. Chris Gedney, seven years in the NFL. Pete Holohan, Tim Green. These guys are all from different eras. You know, Carmen Basilio was the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, if that was today, Danny Shays, Scott Schwades, whatever. Those are local athletes that made it big around here. But $140 million is uh, an incredible accomplishment and uh yeah anybody else would pale in comparison now adjusted dollars and things like that could somebody be close you know maybe uh is there a a tim green of his day right now you know was tim green the best pass rusher in the nfl no but he was you know was up there so i don't know who, who would you aaron aaron donald's a much better player than than tim green you know we're not getting into that today but you know, if you had modern, maybe a little bit different economic structure, you know, Danny Shays played 20 years in the NBA. Anybody that plays 20 years in the NBA now is probably making up in that neighborhood of $140 million, but that, that's not the way it worked uh, back then. So set that aside. Anyway, Polly, uh, ringing the bell for being right. But the other thing Polly's right about is the approach to 
the Syracuse basketball team and this idea that you're going to bring in some magic wand. Like Daniel's going off about, oh, bring in somebody that's going to teach the centers how to all of a sudden be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What are you talking about? Okay. First of all, it's college athletics. There's rules about how many coaches you have and what they're able to do. You can't just say, well, hey, uh, you know, today we're going to bring in whoever you identify, maybe literally Kareem or Akeem Olajuwon or whatever. The best big men of all time are going to come in and uh, teach Pascal Chuku all of a sudden how to be an All-American uh, back-to-the-basket uh, player. Danny Shea, whoever it is that you want to throw in there. You can't do that. Okay, I, I'm, I know there are some... There's some leeway and there's some opportunities, but you're allowed the, the assistant coaches that they have. Uh, literally in basketball, there's only X number that can step on the court, right? Like Eric Devendorf was here and had a, a title like assistant strength and conditioning coach. He's not allowed to like be coaching people in practice, you know, coaching basketball. He's not actually on the court proper mm-hmm. during practice. So that's not happening. Um, and the lack of development right now in Pascal Chuku, Barama Sidibe into offensive forces, it's not, and I'm sure it's a fact, you know, there's a lot of different factors there, but it's not like they're not trying. The players aren't trying or the coaches aren't trying. It's hard. These are guys who didn't grow up with a basketball in their hands since six years old. And it's a different animal. Polly's right about when Syracuse has had somebody like that that can go. And they haven't been the six eleven, seven foot types. They've been Otis Hill, Arinze Anawaku, Rick Jackson, those types of players. Arinze Anawaku, you said the first play of every single game for Arinze Anawaku, in my memory, went yes. to him. Everyone. Right? I mean, because he he was a guy that had moves, could be trusted with the ball. Some of these other recent guys, by Musiketa, fantastic defensive player, couldn't catch a cold. Could not catch the ball when thrown to him. And then if they do catch it, they bring it down and they make all these other uh, types of mistakes. So that's just not the way this team is built. Not everybody is an all-star. Not everybody has the same level of strength. So I don't think that's going to happen. So then here's the other one is my man Daniel, God bless him. Here's how he, sports fans, is uh, trying to do his part to coach up the Orange. Here's what I said to Dolce in the elevator when I was in, when I was in Nebraska. I said to him, he's with, uh, I think he was with Coach Griff, or he's with somebody. And uh, I looked at him, I said, you do realize if you'll even shoot the ball and miss, it helps some of these other guys. I said, the ball's going to you, and I can, watching the game, I can see in your face, he's not shooting that. So I looked at him, and I I bodied him up against the wall in the elevator in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And I said, shoot it. If you're wide open, shoot it because they're 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 dropping back and they're and they're not accounting for you, which clogs the lane up more. If you miss the shot, it's better than than them thinking you're never going to shoot it because they don't have to guard you. All right, so Daniel's not wrong, right? Even the threat of shooting helps; it spaces the floor, creates driving lanes. You make one or two here or there. He's absolutely hundred percent right about that. Here's the issue: they have coaches. The coaches know what they're doing. Marek Dolajai famously uh, learned English from watching Two and a Half Men, right? So put yourself in his position at that moment. He's in a hotel elevator in Omaha, Nebraska, and now here's this guy from Homicide Life on the Streets (laughs) teaching him basketball. How mind-blowing must that have been for Marek? 
I can't. I sometimes sitting in here doing a show with him. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, man, Do you think Marek is thinking like only if he only could come across Charlie Sheen, <laughs> then that would unlock the key to really improving his game? Yeah, and I don't think it's a secret that he needs to be more aggressive. No. And I think more than Daniel Baldwin has told him that he needs to be more than Chris. I'm sure every guy that walks by him in Wegmans tells him that. Right? I love it though. I like the da- Daniel. Daniel, hey, will, Daniel God bless will, Daniel. He comes on the road. He doesn't. He's he'll not, push him right up against the wall. He absolutely. So he said, so I confront him in the elevator. <laughs> so I mean, Daniel's not just along for the ride. Like when he's going to these, it's not just the nice dinner on the road. He's yeah. doing the nice dinner, but he's doing the show during the day, Coaching and he's out there I, trying to make an impact. He will cut you off in the lobby and tell you exactly what you need to know to make things happen. He's not a little dude either. Daniel's not. No, and well, he. He's much. Big. Most people are bigger than Marek. Yeah. When it comes to girth, imagine um, if he hurt Marek. <laughs> right. That's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. Put him on the IR. Marek's like, I'm just trying to get to the team breakfast. <laughs> and here's this actor cutting me off. Broke my sternum in the elevator. Big leather jacket on and a throwback Jim Kelly jersey, trying to tell me how to play in the left low block. All right, so uh, good stuff there. We appreciate uh, Daniel's contributions uh, to our show. Good uh, jumping off points today. But and if you'd like to change our mind or call, you're welcome to at uh, 3154-ESPN44, 3154-37-7644. There's a lot of hand-wringing. They won the game by 23 against a team that's the conference favorite in a lesser conference and very well could make the tournament again. Now, they Northeastern was down three starters last night. I didn't get the impression last night that there was anything like to worry about. The game was over. It was a double-digit lead with probably eight minutes to go in the first half, and it only widened as, as the game went on. I don't understand really what the hand-wringing is about today. You're not going to have everybody click every night. Tyus Battle's the best player on the team. That Tyus Battle has an off-scoring night doesn't really matter last night, and it comes hand-in-hand with O'Shea Brissett having his best game of the year and Elijah Hughes bouncing back. So that's just sort of the the way it goes. Coach Beheim, uh, with his 45-second recap after the game, uh, obviously it's his purpose and role to want more and try to get more, but this is how he viewed it. Well, neither team can make a shot. You know, I thought the first half we played good defense, didn't let them get shots. Second half they got shots. We just stopped playing defense, but they couldn't make anything. We made it. We got it inside and got a couple in there, but we didn't make many shots either. It was a tough shooting night for both teams. They haven't played zone the whole game all year, but they did tonight. And at first we were really sharp against it, and then we started making some mistakes and, you know, missing shots. You know, if you don't make shots against the zone, it's, it's tough out there. We had really good looks and, and didn't make many, but they missed, they missed more. But... And get the win. We need a day off and got a couple of days to get ready for Georgetown. They're playing really well. It'll be a great game. All right, so that's on Saturday, 3.30. Georgetown coming in 7-1. and one. The Orange are 6-2. and two. I thought I heard a caller maybe earlier today on the, the previous show say something about the defense. wasn't The defense is really good. It's good. All right, Northeastern made four of its first seven threes. Had a, a brief early lead. Jordan Rowland, the West Hill kid, got off to a great start. So they made four of their first seven. From there, they were two for 21. That's how it's supposed to work. 
that's how and why you play zone. You, you're taking the calculation that a team is not going to be able to sustain shooting. That One of the reasons they lost the Connecticut game is Connecticut was the aberration of somebody that just kept raining in threes and from deep. That's typically not going to happen, so that worked. The ball movement was uh, especially good for Syracuse last night, different than they've played really on the year. Northeastern plays zone in the game because they're overmatched, because they're thin, uh, down three starters, including the defensive player of the year in their conference. They just don't have man-for-man the material that Syracuse has. That opens the door for somebody like O'Shea Brissett. Brissett benefited from the ball being thrown around in and out, side to side. The Orange assisted 20 of their 26 field goals which by their standards is off the charts. Coach really wanted us to move the ball, really wanted us to, you know, get it down low to Pascal and Brahm and, you know, also spread it out to our shooters. Um, and I felt like myself and, you know, Marek did a great job in the middle, um, kicking it out to the open guys, finding, uh, you know, our shooter's buddy, you know, was able to get going. And, um, you know, I feel like Jalen did a great job as well, you know, driving in the basket, uh, kicking it out or throwing that lob for uh, Pascal. So you know, I feel like it was a, a team effort and uh, it was definitely something that Coach wanted us to, you know, emphasize today. So three three-pointers uh, for Elijah Hughes last night, three for Buddy Beheim, two for O'Shea himself. Brissett had seven offensive rebounds, which is equal to what Northeastern had in the game. And uh, he's going to be a mismatch for all of these lesser conference teams. They just don't have somebody that can uh, match up with him. And uh, he was very good, 21 points, 14 boards, his second double-double of the season, matched his career high for rebounds. And... Uh, you know, did every guy click or have a great game? Of course not, but it's not going to be that way. And, uh, you know, Howard and Battle, who combined last night for four points on two of 12 shooting, 0 for 7 from three-point range, that's not good. But they're there more times than not, and that's why you have a team, and that's why you build depth. On a night that they didn't have a lot going, O'Shea Brissett and Elijah Hughes did. That's how it works. Um, so the whole idea of it's a long year, and all, that's – Premature right now. Going to run into some good teams, though. Saw one of these mock drafts come out today. Picks one, two, and three, Duke. Next pick, North Carolina. Next pick, Virginia. Uh, that's what you have ahead uh, on the uh, conference schedule this year. That one particular mock draft I saw was from The Athletic. I don't spend a lot of time looking at those things, but uh, just knowing that it might be a discussion topic today. Tyus Battle was 30th. O'Shea Brissett was 94th. On that pick, uh, that particular list, Darius Baisley was 22nd uh, for people that uh, might be interested in that type of thing. All right, we'll move it along here. We'll come back with Brett Wallace from the uh, Syracuse Athletics Department. If you're interested in going to the bowl game, he'll tell you how that can happen and uh, how you might uh, see some extra entertainment at the Carrier Dome this weekend. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance, in your corner. And welcome back, everybody. We are in the booth, brought to you by CH Insurance. Good to have you along today. Phone number, as always, is 315-4ESPN44. We're joined by Brett Wallace from the uh, Athletics Department and uh, wanted to hit on a couple of these things related to uh, ticket packages for the bowl game and uh, as well kind of some special things going on with some home basketball games this year, including, of course, one of the biggest ones on the schedule, Georgetown, in the Dome uh, Saturday afternoon. So, Brett, good to have you here, first of all. And uh, we kind of started the show today talking about it, really a, a serious tone at the beginning of last night's game. But uh, this is not really, you know, you're not patting yourself on the back here, but everything seemed to work at the Dome the way it's supposed to last night. Yeah, you know, first of all, thanks, Matt, for having me on the show. 
Um, real hats off to Peace Solid and the Carry Dome staff. You know, I think earlier as I was driving over, I heard you say nobody really recognizes the medical staffs even there until something like that happens. So um, to be, you know, equipped for emergency like that of that of that magnitude um, and, and basically, you know, everybody seemed like they, they, they knew what to do in that situation. And uh, hopefully the gentleman's OK. And, you know, we'll probably get a word on him shortly as what his status is. But, um, you know, hats off to everybody, the Dome medical staff, Pete Sala and his crew and everybody that just did a great job with that uh, unfortunate situation. Yeah, certainly. If we do get any info, and I saw some people on Twitter just because I put out something this morning about it. People say, hey, we'd love to, to know an update. You know, it's it's private and not really any of our business, except that ha- that is something that happened in a very public uh, venue with 20,000 people at the game, and people saw it, and people are concerned. So uh, if there is any update to uh, pass along, we will. But uh, based on everything we've heard uh, to this point so far, uh, everything worked as it should have last night, and uh, a gentleman who had a very uh, tough time was uh, able to be taken out of the Dome uh, and into uh, very good hands last night. Uh, Brett Wallace is uh, with us talking about uh, these bowl tickets. You can go to cuse.com slash campingworld first and foremost to maybe see some visuals related to the things we're talking about. But if I'm somebody who lives in the area here, Brett, and I, I want to get to this game in Orlando, first of all, the very fact that it wound up being Orlando, what, what's the reaction that you've gotten uh, from the fan base here so far that uh, th- this one is in the warm weather and, and a place that's uh, relatively new in terms of a bowl destination for Syracuse? You know, I've been on the phones with fans really up until before the, the bowl was even announced, but the, the general consensus of the fans is that they're definitely excited. Um, you know, it's kind of a holiday destination, so it's after Christmas, so people can go down maybe the 26th after they've uh, settled in after Christmas or, or the holiday and, and get down to Orlando and really kind of enjoy the festivities leading up to the bowl. So uh, people are definitely excited. We haven't been in Orlando in quite some time for a bowl game or really in a warm. I think we were in Texas a few years ago. Uh, but Florida's, you know, the great alumni base down in the Florida area, Atlanta area. So people are are definitely gearing up uh, for hopefully an exciting game, you know, two high-power offenses on the field, and I think people will be excited about that. The Texas Bowl in Houston, if I recall, was the 27th. This one, even just one more day, the 28th fits, I think, even better for everybody because you can, it's just that little extra break from whatever you did on, you know, Christmas with your family and uh, New Year's is kind of a different deal. And the fact that it's kind of right in between uh, seems to me to allow you to sort of build this into your schedule a little bit easier. Yeah, I think three things play into our favor for having the bowl in Orlando over, let's say, a, a Texas area. One is it's a day after, mm-hmm. you know, you just alluded to that. Two, it's a heck of a lot easier to get to Dallas, or I'm sorry, to Orlando than Dallas. And three, there's a lot more airlines now that fly, uh, both cost-effective as well as your normal airlines that can get you to Orlando or some of the surrounding areas to Orlando. So, um, you know, I tell our fans and I encourage our fans, we're not travel agencies here at the athletic department. I think I've turned into a little bit of a travel <laughs> agency uh, this week. But, but act fast if you are trying to get down to Orlando. I know flights are um, filling up fast, and it's going to be, you know, it'll be a fun time. Brett Wallace, assistant athletics director, uh, with us, uh, looking at some of those options. And one is that the the university is putting together with a a travel partner and Anthony Travel its own charter. So how does that work? Yeah, so you can visit um, cuse.com backslash camping world. As you scroll down through the page, you'll kind of see there is two options through Anthony Travel. There is a a air land and ticket option uh, that starts at 1970 for the whole package. That'll include a couple nights at the Hilton and down in Orlando. Your ticket to the game, as well as a charter flight um, to uh, from Syracuse to Orlando. So encourage fans that are looking for kind of that all encompassing package. I think there's some tailgate included in that, some shuttles from the hotel over to the stadium as well. So it's really you know your no hassle package. Once you're down there, you don't have to worry about anything. Again, that starts at 19. 
1970 uh, for the whole package, cuse.com backslash camping world. Um, if you already have transportation or live in the area, there is a hotel uh, slash ticket offer that starts at 755 for that entire package. Um, I know that one's going pretty quickly because of the uh, limited space in the Hilton down there in Orlando. Both packages, I should say, will be included with uh, the, with rooms inside the Hilton um, as well as tickets to the game. And there's benefit really to being part of this type of group here, staying at kind of an official hotel, uh, having people looking after you from a, a travel standpoint. And of late, just the way it's kind of worked out, there's been more Final Four trips where you might do something right. like this than there's been a bowl game outside of New York where, you know, those were buses and, and easy for people. People have their own routine in New York, so you didn't really have kind of this formal uh, travel routine. So uh, I guess suffice it to say the very fact that they're, this is professionally managed uh, takes away maybe a little bit of the hassle if you choose to go this route. Yeah, you definitely want a company like Anthony Travel taking care of it. You know, they, that's what they do for a living. They put these types of packages together for other universities that may be going to other bowl games. So they're professionals in their own right. Um, I don't think you'd probably want myself putting that package <laughs> together. So uh, we'll leave that to the professionals. But I've seen the itinerary of what the package looks like. It looks tremendous. You know, it's got a lot of Syracuse Orange factors to it. And I think, you know, you're not going to be bored uh, with the itinerary that I've seen uh, presented to myself. Very cool. I know they're doing a, a tailgate party and, and things like that that are down there. Again, the game is on the 28th at uh, 5 o'clock, so uh, there's some opportunity. You have your Christmas on the uh, 25th. You want to travel on the 26th. That's what this uh, flight is. If it's just the local package, you're talking about people that already have a connection in, in Florida, maybe just looking for the hotel. Those are the nights of the uh, 27th and 28th, so That's you're going correct. back there after the game. Yes, correct. And just to, to rewind here a little bit to allude on the on the tailgate itself, that'll be. I've been told that's going to be at Tinker Field, which is our directly outside of Camping uh, Camping's World Stadium there. Um, so Tinker Field, our, our band as well as the West Virginia band will be performing, uh, I believe it's 3.30 and 3.15 respectively that the, the two bands will. So if you're down in the area, you have a ticket to the game, also you know, head to Tinker Field because that's where a lot of the, the pregame activities will be taking place. Our guest is Brett Wallace, Assistant Athletic Director for Marketing and Sales from the Athletic Department. And I can say, having been to Tinker Field many a time, the Citrus Bowl is there. Tinker Field is where the, uh, it used to be the Orlando Rays. There's a double-A baseball team that uh, they don't use that anymore. But I'm saying it's so close that they used to, you could hit a home run down the right field line that would hit the Citrus Bowl. Okay, like you could hit it with a baseball from the, you know, from the the baseball stadium next door. So uh, that's just how close it is, and uh, a neat complex down there. And because it's not a baseball field anymore, I think it's about probably a better parking and tailgating facility now because they've taken away uh, some of the fences and stuff. So, uh, anything else in terms of the bowl? Uh, the, the only the only what thing, about tickets only? Yeah, exactly. The only thing I was going to add is if you are you know you have your transportation. There's a lot of people that live in the Orlando area or in the greater. Florida area. Uh, we do have tickets still remaining, uh, really in all price classes. We have limited inventory in the corner sections. That's our $79 seat. That's kind of the, the get-in price if you want to sit with the rest of the Syracuse fans. Uh, we have a $105 goal line seat, $110 red zone seat, and then our midfield seats, which are 131 kind of between the 35-yard lines. Those are going quickly as well, I should add. Very limited inventory available, uh, both in the $131 price class as well as the $79 price class. So I encourage fans that are interested in getting their tickets in one of those locations to either visit cues.com backslash camping world or to call uh, 888-DOME-TICKS. We have representatives standing by right now that can help you out, get your seats located for you, and get you on your way down to Orlando. I saw where uh, West Virginia was claiming they're on the west side, so I assume that means the Syracuse seats are side. on the east side of uh, the stadium. So if you're looking online for a, a map or want to have an idea of how it's laid out, I mean, this is a, one of those typical 
symmetrical football stadiums, and you can uh, pretty much figure where the uh, Syracuse contingent will be. So uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, Georgetown in the Dome. Always exciting. Pat Ewing's return, first time coming in as a coach, uh, adds a little bit to it. And this is also the uh, tip-off, I guess, of a concert series you've got uh, in mind here, Brett. Yeah, so we're kind of bringing back something that was done years ago. um, And I will... Full disclosure, I wasn't even aware that it was done years ago, uh, but we're bringing back something called the Cuse Concert Series where we've reached out to some local bands, some well-known bands that have a pretty big following here in central New York. Uh, and we'll kick that off with uh, this Saturday's game, uh, December 8th, when we host Georgetown. Uh, doors open for that game at 12.30 p.m. Tip-off is, uh, I'm sorry, 1.30 p.m. Tip-off is 3.30 uh, p.m. for that particular game. Um, and we'll, we're going to have a band called My So-Called Band. They're a, they're a 90s cover band, you know, kind of play with the fact that, you know, in the 90s and late 80s, our, our rival was Georgetown. So we figured, uh, you know, why not bring a, back a band that, that covers 90s music that people will know, and it kind of fits in with that. So that'll be our first of three concerts that we have. That'll be in the north uh, west side or northeast side of, of the mm-hmm. backcourt area. So if you're familiar with kind of how the dome set up for basketball in the end zone, uh, all the way far, uh, farthest east, um, there'll be a, there'll be a concert series with with some staging back there, uh, and it's just kind of an opportunity for fans to get there a little early, mingle with fan, with other fans, grab, maybe grab a beer, grab some food, and um, and listen to some really high quality music. Really, um, you know, we're going off the momentum of of Cuse on the Quad for our football fans that are that are listening today. Uh, we started this this past fall with with Cuse on the Quad and having some of that music out there, and, and it really grew. So now we're to say let's bring it indoors and try it again in the backcourt, and I think people. You know, once they get a sense of what this is, we'll get pretty excited. Production note for Polly: we can go with uh, 90s cover band names based on Syracuse and Georgetown basketball players, and you're not going to do any better than Ruben Boomche Boomche. <laughs> is that not just an, that's a band name anyway, right? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, on the northeast corner of the dome, please welcome to the stage Ruben Boomche Boomche. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I might have to Could hand I, the mic to you for a little I, bit, Matt. I, I like that. <laughs> So. And the opening act could be uh, Marius Yanoulis. I like it. Okay, I like that. So um, just another minute or so with uh, Brett Wallace. The other games that uh, there will be pregame concerts for are Georgia Tech and Boston College. So uh, you got kind of a one-a-month Correct. kind of concept here. Yeah, we spaced them out. So obviously December being this uh, this weekend, and then we have one in January. That's January 12th when we host Georgia Tech. That'll be a country band, country swag. They've got a pretty uh, – Big following here locally in, in Central New York and Syracuse, and then we'll, we'll end the series with a, uh, a band by the name of Last Left. Uh, they're kind of a modern cover band, Weekend, Bruno Mars, that type of music. Uh, and that'll be on February 9th when we play Boston College. Usually, we'll, our plan is to kick off the series about 15 minutes after the doors open. For those three games, the doors open will two hours prior to kickoff. So come in, maybe grab a beer, grab a soda, grab some food, and head head to that portion of the backcourt and you know catch some music. And then you still have time to go over and watch watch the team warm up and get ready for whoever they're hosting for that particular day. Okay, awesome stuff. We'll turn you loose. Appreciate the info and uh, hope uh, people take advantage of it. A lot of good things uh, going on here, Brett. Good yeah. work. Thanks again, Matt, for having me. Brett Wallace, Assistant Athletic Director from uh, the Athletic Department, working on some ticket sales and some special initiatives there for you. Uh, more information at cuse.com uh, slash campingworld. And we'll see you early in the Dome for uh, Ruben Boomche Boomje and my so-called band, Syracuse and Georgetown, 3.30 on Saturday. More to come in the booth on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. AHL's Hershey okay, Bears. Did that count? No, because I hit the button. It just didn't turn on. AHL Hershey Bears have recorded a record teddy bear toss 
34,798 teddy bears were tossed onto the ice in an arena that has 10,500 capacity. It's almost incomprehensible. That's an average of three per person throwing teddy bears out. Unless they're, I, you calling it fixed? No, would they somehow padding their stats? Like, what's the most that any one person? That means for every person that threw out one, somebody else threw out like seven. Yeah. So, how did that happen? Did, did the team maybe? Well, they, buy a bunch. Well, they could have done any number of things, and and God bless them. The more teddy bears for charity, the better. Uh, the do you have the play by play call of that because that was uh, pretty interesting how that went down, but. Uh, the ice is just completely covered in teddy bears. They suspended the game. It was about midway through the first period when this goal was scored, which triggered the throwing of the teddy bears. They said, you know, we'll take our intermission now so they could get the ice cleared and the guys could uh, continue to, to play. Now the Bears will look to tie it. As Bigumton has the lead, but a Funks restaurant power play for Hershey. Manga the point for Nash. Left wing side, Scarbosa snaps a shot, hit the crossbar. Rebound, Barber, he scores! It's Teddy Bear toss time. Riley Barber scores the goal, and the fans are letting them fly. It's raining stuffed animals in Chocolate Town. What a beautiful sight as we're tied at one. Probably the best call in the history of calls. It's raining teddy bears in Chocolate Town. Um, (laughs) Why am I laughing at that so hard? Um, But uh, teddy bear toss time. Riley Barber's Riley Barber's name will go down in history. (laughs) Yes, it is. There's got to be a dirty innuendo there somewhere. Um, Uh, So. So that happened, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they are, they're clearly padding the stats here somehow, and I don't really care. Does, it doesn't uh, offend me in the, the slightest. Yeah, like, it wasn't just that was a monsoon, brother. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna save that drop. I feel like, but a um, tsunami of teddy bears in Chocolate Town. Yes, uh, that's a lot of teddy bears. 30, or, well, stuffed animals, 35,000. If you watch the video of this, like some people have the big honking like state fair, you know, yeah. teddy bear that weighs 40 pounds and they're, they're trying to throw it up over the, uh, the dasher boards on the glass. And uh, it, pretty interesting deal. That's kind of an ongoing thing in hockey. I know the Crunch do uh, similar type things and uh, good for them. You want to uh, do another one or you want to wait till. Go ahead. All right, Washington head coach Jay Gruden said the Redskins discussed Colin Kaepernick but opted against pursuing him because they'd have to change too much of their offense yeah, and sign Josh Johnson. Instead. I don't even know why that's – I know it's why it's newsworthy, obviously, Colin Kaepernick's newsworthy. Every team has done that. Every single NFL team has had a discussion, You know whether it's been out actually spoken and reported or not. Every team has said, hey, does this work for us? Is this fit for us? And some of these other people like Robert Griffin, you know – you, you try to get a backup that's somewhat similar. I mean, I guess you could make the argument either way, but that doesn't disrupt your entire offense when you put him in there. The Ravens, I guess, would be an exception when you have a Lamar Jackson. That's going to be your next wave, and he provides you a little something different when he comes in now. Um, but there's a lot of reasons that Colin Kaepernick's not an NFL quarterback. We're running out of time on the show, but uh, certainly I'm sure every team has thrown his name around and like, hey, does he make sense for us? And, and then they... Uh, come to the reason that he's not. And so just happened that John Gruden said it. All right. Thanks everybody for listening today. We'll be back tomorrow with Mike Waters. Thanks to Tommy and Polly. We're out.